The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good evening. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, your host of Privacy Piracy. And unfortunately, we've got a sick Lloyd tonight, but he's a great engineer. And we've got a fabulous show. We've actually got Jay Kramer, who I'm going to tell you about in a second. He's sitting right across from me in this uh, sauna bath that is very hot. And on the phone, we've got Tom Coughlin, who I'll tell you about too, and he's a return guest. So we've got a fabulous show. You've got to listen. And uh, let me tell you, first of all, about Jay, who's sitting right here with me. Jay Kramer is the Vice President of Worldwide Marketing for iStore Networks, Inc., Jay brings to iStore over 20 years of sales and marketing as an executive, and he has been a world-recognized technology consultant specializing in the network storage industry for both private and NASDAQ-listed organizations, along with providing consulting services to the leading network storage product companies. Prior to joining iStore Networks, which you can see at iStoreNetworks.com, Mr. Kramer was chairman of the ILM Summit and Data Protection Summit, which are leading sources of information on network storage. And so uh, Jay has also served the network storage industry in a number of leadership positions over the last decade. He was previously elected to the board of directors of the Fiber Channel Industry Association for seven years and served as the first CFO for the organization. He continues to serve in an advisory position with leading technology conferences, and he is great, and he's sitting right across me, and we're going to have fun with him because he is crazy. Now, also, before we get started, I want to introduce you to Tom Coughlin, who was on with us last year just about this time before the Data Protection Summit. And he is an engineer and technology expert. And the great thing about Tom is last year when I was asking him questions, I could even understand his answers. So Tom is the founder and president of Coughlin Associates and chairman of the 2008 Data Protection Summit, which is right next week. Tom has over 25 years of experience in the data storage industry as a working engineer and high-level technical and corporate executive. For many years, he's been collaborating with the Center for Magnetic Recording Research at the University of California, San Diego, on the sanitization of disk drive data. He has uh, six patents on magnetic recording and related technologies, which he tried to explain to us last year. Tom is the founder and organizer of the annual Storage Visions Conference, which celebrated its sixth year last year and he is also the chairman this year of the 2008 data protection summit which is march i think it's 11th through the 13th which is just next week so we're really thrilled for both of you hi tom hi there mari it's good to be back so i've got the dog and pony show here with you and jay and he makes a good dog i know <laughs> oh and you're the pony okay <laughs> all right so i'm excited because i'm part of the data protection summit again this year and we're going to have fun we're even going to do some field interviews there so tom explain when and where is the data protection summit it's coming up next week it is it's march th- march 11th through the 13th 2008 at the hilton irvine orange county airport hotel Okay, and I know you're going to be there, and and isn't it free for users? Yes, it is. So what do people have to do to just learn more about it? Where can they find out about it? Well, you can go to the website, um, which is www.dataprotectionsummit.com, and the most current information about the conference is there. Yeah, sounds great. Now, Jay, why is it important to have a conference like the Data Protection Summit? Well, you know, Mari, when you look at um, what's happening in the computer industry and to real-life customers today, 
uh, information is the lifeline of companies. And the success that companies are going to have is very dependent on the quality of their information systems, um, not only to provide availability of data, but also provide integrity, privacy, uh, security, and long-term retention to those information assets. Uh, you know the ancient Chinese proverb, uh, may you live in interesting times, and uh, we certainly do live in interesting times, and the topic of data protection is a cornerstone to organizations having an information strategy, um, and one that really works for them today, but also into the future. Well, you know, we've been hearing so much about data breaches and security breaches. I think there's been since 2005, since the original one that was publicized of ChoicePoint, we've heard about you know, over 250,000 records that have been lost. Okay, so people are worried about it. They get these notices of what they need to do. So this is a huge issue, not only for people who have companies that are worried about the data loss, but also for people who are just sitting here listening, who might be using, be users of, of uh, computers. So what, let's, let's ask this, um, what are the biggest concerns for companies with regard to data protection? Are they afraid that they're going to get sued? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. I, I think that to, uh, to a company, um, uh, that's one factor is, is potential um, litigation. Um, but I think every customer is going to prioritize um, differently w what the fundamental concerns are for their entire life cycle for the availability of data. You know, as an example, you look at the medical and healthcare field. Um, medical records, medical imaging um, is something that should be available for the, um, the life of the patient. So that's a, a huge amount of time that you're going to want to be able to protect data. Um, certain information needs uh, the complete opposite of an effective deletion policy of when do you get rid of or what we used to have those shredder machines on all right. the old paper but now it's digital so uh, that becomes another challenge as to um, how to deal with appro appropriately deleting um, uh, data and um, as we look at government regulations um, and specific industry mandates it's become increasingly important for companies to find cost-effective and innovative ways to, to deal with protection of their information um, companies are really concerned about um, the privacy and, and protection of, of information. Uh, just like you mentioned how alarming it is when all of a sudden someone gets one of those notices in the mail. And think of the impression that that makes on the person about that company or organization. All of a sudden they become somewhat hostile to mm -hmm. that and it can affect the uh, longevity and the success of that company not to mention their reputation and, and image in the marketplace. And their stock value. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, I think stockholders <laughs> really care about that. Right, right. And I think when you were bringing up about healthcare, you know, we're trying to, you know, the government wants to put all of our uh, medical records digitally. So God forbid there's a Katrina or an earthquake here in California, you know, and we need to get our prescriptions, then we could get it. But at the same time, if people don't trust that the system will work, they won't want it to go online. Well, you know, it's so interesting you mentioned that because think of how advanced medical technology is today. I mean, just the miraculous things that happen. Right. But from an information standpoint, it's still in the Stone Age. Um, most of these are not digitally um, stored. You know, they're physical records that are sitting in a doctor's office yes. and what happens if they're stolen or if there's a fire or disaster to that doctor's office they're gone and uh, you think about doctors still writing prescriptions i have some doctors you know in fact when i was out east there was a doctor that wrote me a prescription on on the computer but most of the doctors just give it to you they just write it off and give it to you and so yep. you don't have that prescription tom so what new technologies do you think um, will, will solve the problem? Both of you actually can answer this one for me. But, Tom, you're up there in San Jose. Tell me, what do you think? Well, there's, uh, there's a lot of different solutions for, you know, for all these different factors. Um, so there's uh, security and tools available in the operating systems and file systems you know, available from many companies. Um, also, folks are using database applications. They have their own uh, security needs. And there's companies that actually specialize you know, an encryption and other ways of protecting uh, data. And then there's the, uh, you know, the whole IT info, info 
uh, ecosystem, if you will, of server networking storage companies. And all these companies basically uh, are all working in these fields, and a lot of them are going to be at the at our conference. You know, last uh, year, Lloyd and I brought our little field recorder, and we went from booth to booth to all the exhibits in the exhibit hall, and it was fascinating. I said, I asked, do you remember that, Tom? I, I'd ask yes, these I people, what do you do, What what is your product, and why is it important? And it was fascinating. So, you know, people who aren't even wanting to go to the sessions could go to the exhibit hall because that these guys are really very astute about knowing what their products are, why they are, and why it's good or why it's needed. But go ahead, Jay, what do you want to add? Yeah, sure. yeah, if I can. Um, you know, Mari, this is a really interesting area because there is so much innovation that's going on out there. Uh, we see it at every uh, touch point of, of total um, information systems from everything of data that's in flight uh, across the internet or internal intranets that companies have uh, or even with data at rest that sits on some physical media like a disk drive. Um, so these ne new technologies are spanning encryption, key management uh, of data all the way from the host systems through the network to the actual disk drive or media that uh, yeah, this yeah, is stored like, now anybody can carry these little these little tiny things you know on their on their keychain that holds what what used to be a whole room full of data right well you know that's great you and i are probably old enough to remember I don't, you're old <laughs> enough i'm not old enough to remember any of this well remember <laughs> those remember those things called floppy disks yes i do well they didn't store a whole lot no. but but we were addicted to them we right. were storing everything on floppies right. and now Floppies don't even exist anymore. I know. It's you, amazing. You have these little flash memory uh, drives that are itty-bitty but yeah. store uh, tremendous amounts of gig gigabytes of data. Uh, and uh, we see that at the consumer level with music and Everybody, video. Everybody, yeah. And I mean, we went on a, we just went to South America and we, we, we had a four gig a uh, little tiny little disc for our, our video camera, you know, and, and after two weeks, we, we actually had to buy another two gigs in, in Brazil. But but basically, we had, you know, every day, if you can imagine videoing everything every day, how much that no one will ever want to see. But the truth is, is it holds a lot of data. It's true. And I think besides that type of innovation, we're also seeing a whole uh, new generation of technologies uh, centered around uh, the term virtualization. Uh, it's a big buzzword in the technology field, and um, it's one that w we're seeing um, uh, uh, what virtualization really does is an abstraction where you could take multiple servers and it makes it look like one, or multiple storage devices and it becomes pooled like one, or multiple switches and network devices and it pulls that as an aggregate, one single resource that could be managed and, and allocated. Well, this is adding a whole new dynamic to how you protect information and how things are secure. It's giving more productive tools for the proliferation of all this computing power everywhere and how an organization, even a small company, can have a single person have a, a very productive way to being able to secure and protect the huge amount of technology that's out there. Well, you know, Jay and Tom, I think what's really scary is when you think about a little mom-and-pop business on the Internet that could have all your most sensitive data. If you remember the lady who was in India who was doing medical uh, transcription, and she wasn't getting paid in India, and so she threatened to expose all this medical data, including Social Security numbers, um, if she didn't get paid, and she actually put up a few of them until she was paid. Wow. If you think about who can have this data and who can store it and who can do what with it, you know, we're talking about major data protection that people don't even think about. It doesn't have to be a huge company. Anyone who's driving by listening to this has a computer, has the data, doesn't know what's being done with that data. And so this is such a huge issue. But um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tom. Well, I was just going to say, and I know that uh, the exhibitors and uh, the speakers and stuff at the Data Protection Summit will be glad to talk to, the, talk to all those people, whether they're from companies or private people. There's people with a lot of different solutions for protecting your data. You know, Tom, before we go more about this uh, and get into the liability, I want to ask you, what are the most important themes at the Data Protection Summit? Well, uh, key topics that we're going to be covering at the Data Protection Summit are drive encryption, 
window security. Um, Jay referred to virtualization, so virtualization security is a new uh, is a new topic we're covering. Mobile and, security. And, and I'd like you to explain virtualization a little bit. Sure, more. sure. Virtualization is uh, is a is a uh, a concept of uh, hiding complexity of multiple devices of many different sorts. Uh, hiding that complexity so it appears like a single device or one one type of managed device uh, to the user. So in the enterprise area, they will take, for instance, a whole bunch of servers, and they will treat those servers as if they're all part of one system, and you can get and you can uh, allocate different pieces of, of it uh, at will to do different activities and switch them around very, very quickly. You know, when I think of virtualization, I think of these people who live virtual lives. You know, that's the new thing now. Like if you are this, you know, home buddy who is kind of a nerd and then you could have this life where you're this, you know, siren or something, you know, and you put yourself online as this virtualization. It's just amazes to me. It's amazing to me what people can do with this all of this. This is second life for machines. Yeah. This is, sec- this is second life for machines. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me get back to why this is so important. And, and Jay, um, what is the liability for companies and agencies that don't protect data? Well, you know, that's something that uh, we've seen very stiff penalties um, and fines for companies that don't provide information that's needed in a timely manner for a litigation and lawsuits. Um, it, it, this is really spawning a tremendous amount of new investment in technologies to mitigate risk. Uh, and make sure the company's data is not only secure, but also can be quickly provided for an e-discovery um, uh, for any type of, of legal situation. The thing that's most interesting about this is we've always thought about that for the big corporate environments. Yet if you think of a small company that might get sued and with limited resources of personnel, it could uh, totally consume a company, a lawsuit, and the future viability and success of that small company. So they need to have very intelligent tools that can quickly and responsively search for just the information that's being requested, intelligent search, and provide that for that given litigation and, and case. So uh, what, what's really, I think, so interesting is the so much of the concepts of data protection were in the past thought of only in the big government, big corporate arena, but now it transcends and affects everybody. You know, it's interesting that you say this. I'm an expert witness on a bunch of cases that deal with uh, data protection and and identity theft. And what's really bad is these smaller companies that have had these class action lawsuits because they don't have inside IT people. Okay, and so the big companies who have a whole department of IT people to help them, they're in better shape. They can respond quicker. They can make the corrections in accordance with the law quicker. The small companies absolutely need to come to the Data Protection Conference because they can get help with these uh, different strategies. And not only the strategies, but I know in the exhibit hall there's there's these the software stuff and this hardware that can actually do the work of the IT people, and, and that's really important, I think. Um, yeah. I think the other issue of, of, of liability, being the attorney that I am and seeing the kind of stuff is, is that when we talked about the Federal Trade Commission is coming down hard on, on acts when people do not protect and safeguard financial information, especially under the Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act, and there are, and under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, there are a lot of, there's a lot that you are in dangerous waters if you don't have somebody to help you. And if you're a small company and you can get help at the Data Protection Conference and meet consultants that really know what they're doing, it's scary because I'm, I'm a small guy out there myself and I'm not a techie like both you, Jay, and Tom. And that's why I ask stupid questions sometimes. But I'm, I'm not there, but I hire people to help me because I'm scared to death and I have to learn the encryption strategies and the data protection and so everybody really needs to come and it's right here in Irvine and here we are right you know just a a hop skip and a jump from here so people in Orange County really need to go so Tom let me ask you I went to the 2007 conference and I presented and I'm, I'm actually doing what I'm going to do a little plug for the one I'm doing since I'm not the techie the program I'm doing with several attorneys and a, and actually a uh, and private investigator is called 
the human factor mm-hmm. of on um, security breaches. How is it that the dirty employee can get you? And this can happen to small companies. So we're going to talk about really the human factor in security breaches. But Tom, so how else does the 2008 and 2007 summit, how is it different? Well, I think uh, you do point out one very important one is, uh, the, is the emphasis on human factors in data protection. But we also will have uh, new topics and developments on hardware and software uh, and their applications uh, for data protection as well. And there's a, I, there's a fair number of companies that, uh, with products and ideas that were not at, not at last year's conference. It seems there's an enormous amount of uh, innovation and uh, and development in these areas, and I think people will have an opportunity to see that, including uh, an opportunity um, at a VC session to uh, where where there'll be brand new companies trying to get funding that will be there. Oh, interesting. Okay, venture capitalists, we want to see there too, huh? Yeah. Let me ask That's you, true. Tom, yeah, yeah t- Tom. Let me ask you. So, l- who are some of the the uh, companies that are going to be there that we know of that are going to be like well known names, so people might be interested in going well there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of names there uh, there's a lot of big names we have IBM uh, Microsoft uh, uh, semantic um, LSI Xerox um, and there's an awful and, and Dell and the, uh, there's an awful lot of other companies that are not quite as well known that'll be there as well in fact it's really interesting that in addition to companies like those, like Hitachi Data Systems and Sun Microsystems, that there will be a lot of companies that uh, probably many people haven't heard of before, companies with names like Yogi Security Systems, for instance, or Codanomicon, uh, 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 things like that. There's uh, And, you know, when, of, we, when we laugh at some of these names, that like Yogi Systems or whatever, yeah, look, yeah. At how, look at what's happened to Yahoo. I mean, people, when, when Yahoo started, people thought, what, Yahoo? Look at what Yahoo, how much money they've made, what they've well, done with their stock. There's a company named Catbird, so if you're in the <laughs> Catbird seat, who knows where you can go. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I should change my name. You know, maybe that would be something like, you know, well, I'll have to think of a name, a crazy name. Maybe that would work. But I think you have to be young. If you look at who works at Yahoo, they're all, you know, babies. So at least those people here who are on the campus might, might get some ideas. And, and we want to encourage the students from here to go as well, correct? Oh, they really should, especially with all these young companies. You never know. They might be looking for somebody like, uh, you know, with their kind of uh, skills. Right, and you know this the the UCI has an incredible program with the business department and IT department. They, they really, I've, I've we've visited and have interviewed some people in the department. So mm-hmm. this so, this is a great opportunity for those students to also get exposed to real world situations of what's happening in the technology industry and in this area of innovation for data protection and a way to bring that back into the academic environment. Um, and who knows, th- th- those students might be the future breakthroughs of new research. Yeah, and new patents like Tom has done. And yeah. e- exactly. Um, Tom, so tell me, both of you can tell me, what what is going on with Drive Encryption at the Drive Encryption Forum, and what the heck is that? Okay, well, we had, we had this last year, too. But uh, it, and there's going to be three forums. They're going to be on Tuesday, that first day of the of the event on the uh, on the 11th, and this is uh, going to be an all-day drive encryption forum that explores ways that data can be encrypted. And by encryption, we mean that we can apply a mathematical formula with special codes that can uh, turn ordinary information into something that's very very difficult for someone who is not authorized. To be able to uh, to interpret and find out what it means, but uh, this particular type of encryption is done actually inside the storage devices, such as hard disk drives, optical drives, and flash memory. Um, they also will be talking about managing the keys which are are used to unlock these mathematical formulas in order to be able to read the information back. And there's speakers at this forum from the National Security Agency, SACUD, Seagate Technology, IBM. SafeNet, Silicon Systems, Kilopass Technology, Stonewood, LSI, Vormetric, WinMagic, Wave Systems, STEC, and DataPlay. 
You know, we, we interviewed Michael Willett last year from Seagate, and we'll be talking to him again. He's great. And he was another one of these people that you could actually understand what he was saying, even though he was a mathematical genius. I just blew us away, but he, but Lloyd and I could really understand what he was saying. And he was bringing out at that time, Seagate was encrypting the hard drive right there. So even if somebody took out the hard drive, it it, it wouldn't do anything. You know, they... Well, in fact, the immediate application for this uh, what is for uh, mobile disk drives that are used in laptop computers. Right, right. So if they have encryption on them, then even if somebody steals your laptop, they won't be able to get at the information within it because they don't know the password. Yeah, for anybody who's just driving by, I want to reintroduce these wonderful VIP guests. First of all, we are so lucky that to have Jay Kramer sitting here in the sauna with us here. Uh, he is Vice President of Worldwide Marketing for iStore. That's I-S-T-O-R Networks, and you can go to, it's iStore.com, correct? Right. And we are also on the line, we've got, uh, coming from Atascadero up in Northern California, we've got Tom Coughlin, who is an engineer and technology expert with uh, Coughlin uh, Associates, and that is Tom Coughlin, C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N.com. They're both great guys. And so let's get back to this. Tom, what's going on with Windows Security, with the Windows Security Forum, and and tell us what that's all about and who's going to be presenting. Sure. Well, that that's on Tuesday as well, and uh, this this event uh, explores uh, ensuring security with Windows-based computers and servers. And some of the participants in this forum are from NetFrontiers, Zyatek, Symantec, Microsoft, Xerox, Shavlik, and Hi FN. And so, what are they going to be presenting? What are they going to be doing? They'll be talking about uh, uh, many many people are using uh, uh, Windows-based computers and even Windows-based server software for their email and for their, uh, right. uh, for their servers, their, um, their uh, computer systems, and for sharing content between workers. And they're going to be talking about ways of uh, ensuring security with those systems, um, both with uh, software and with, uh, and with hardware. You know, you also talked, or I remember seeing that there's some tutorials covered on Wednesday, March 12th. Tell us about that. What are those okay. tutorials? Is that uh, well, does that cost extra? Uh, well, no, uh, you could. Well, there's two different ways you can register. You can register just for those tutorials on the first day, or you can register for the tutorials and the rest of the conference. And all that again is on the website at www.dataprotectionsummit.com. Oh, and I also want to mention that the early online registration closes on March 4th. So. Um, but if, you, uh, if we look at the tutorial topics, the tutorial topics are on Wednesday. They're part of the general conference. That's March 12th. And um, it's, uh, there's uh, going to be one uh, tutorial, which is developing a data protection plan for your organization, which will be going on all day. And it's moderated by uh, Satya Sachdeva from HP and includes speakers from innovative companies such as HP, the Aberdeen Group, Xerox Global Services, the Masabi Group, Hitachi Data Systems, Nth Generation Computing, Yosemite Technologies, Sun Microsystems, and FiberLink. There's another one called Mobile Security, which is a half-day tutorial moderated by George Simons from Yosemite Technologies and includes luminaries from Yogi Security Systems. I mentioned that before. Nokia, uh, uh, Code Nomonicon, Diversinet, and Credent Technologies. And then there's one more... um, tutorial, which is email security. Uh, it's a half-day tutorial moderated by uh, Vijay Ahia uh, uh, from Cypher Solutions, and has participation by Message One, Teneros, Borderware Technologies, St. Bernard Software, and MX Logic. Wow. So, tell me, I think, that, I think is there, are they having bingo again? <laughs> <laughs> we do have some evening programs. I yeah, think tell that's us what you're about, about the evening programs. I know you have some contests going on and all sorts of goodies. Well, we got some fun stuff, yes, and food, too. Yes, so, that's important uh, to talk about. Very important right. to talk about the fun stuff because, you know, all this heavy stuff, people are thinking, okay, how much of that can I take, you know? What's the so fun that, stuff? So me, me, I, if they I, come to my program, that's fun. That's right. That's right, of course. <laughs> and, and we mentioned the exhibits, too, and there will be, uh, be breaks and things that, uh, at the exhibits. But on Tuesday night and Wednesday night, Tuesday night the 11th and Wednesday night the 12th, on Tuesday from 5 to 7 p.m., we'll have the welcome reception. 
uh, in Issues Roundtable on how to prevent data breaches, which will also include food, and is chaired by Joe Kovar from CNN Magazine and panelists from RSA, Proofpoint, Sun Microsystems, eBrevity, uh, Raytheon Oakley Systems, Multi-Factor Authentication, Spirus, and Incipher. You know, what like Jay was saying, I just want to mention this. You're talking about these top-notch companies like Sun Systems is in Orange yeah. County, for example. And so if students want to come to this, they're having a chance to really network with the top dogs. You bet. You <clears> bet. <throat> okay. And then on Wednesday from 7 to 8.30, we <laughs> will have beer, pizza, and chat with the experts. And the way this is done is we have, uh, of course, beer and pizza, and we've got tables that are set around the room that have experts who are at these tables who can talk about various topics with anyone who wants to sit down with them for as long as they want to sit down with them. One-to-one, really picking a brain. And all kinds of of great topics, backup and restore, archiving, security as a service, uh, virtual storage, information assurance, uh, disaster recovery, virtualization security. We've talked about virtualization before. Data protection for small and medium businesses, as well as mobile security, are all going to be different tables where you can sit down with your pizza and your beer and have a chat with somebody, meet, make a new friend, and uh, find out in, lots of new information. Sounds great. I'm going to come back to talk more about uh, what's going on there, but I want to ask um, Jay a little bit more, too. Jay, what are the applications that are driving customers to invest in data protection? Well, you know, Murray, the the applications for a given customer vary in terms of which ones are mission critical. But there are certain things that transcend all companies and organizations. When we look at email, as an example, that's become a lifeline for companies. Um, You know, just kind of like the heartbeat that has to be there, and that data needs uh, uh, levels of protection. Then we look at the... the Yeah, especially encryption. I don't think very many people encrypt as they should... I know I always encrypt any attachment, and I never put anything confidential in an email. But I am shocked, even when I work with attorneys, how much sensitive data I get sent to me that isn't even protected or password protected. Very true, very true. And it's one that, uh, at times, some of the most sensitive information um, is transferred in, in email and other collaborative computing applications. And it's one that we don't think about in terms of uh, an uh-oh, can something, you know, be tampered with or be accessed. So um, even that- regular users, even consumers, you know, or anybody who's listening to the students, I know that you know they they send things and they don't think about it. They think that okay, well, no one's going to see this, but that's not necessarily true. And and especially when you think about uh, employees who work for employers and anybody listening here, you know, your data is not private. Very true. And and you have no expectation of privacy on that email. Well, you know what's interesting about that? There's a very fine line between how do you protect and make it secure and bulletproof, but also provide access to those people that need to see right, things. Right. You, you, you don't want to stifle that level of communication. In fact, if you look at um, so many companies today, they created a new position called a CIO, mm-hmm. a chief information officer. And when you think about what is their role, it's it's the um, information systems and that strategy of how information uh, is transferred, not just within Not just transferred, but collected, protected, exactly. yeah, transferred, everything. It's, it's a tough one. Right. And then they also have chief privacy officers that work in tandem with the chief information officer. In fact, we have in the state of California now, um, we, we had a chief... Well, we had the Office of Privacy Protection that just became, that just went up to the higher level, that now we have a chief information officer in the same department with the chief privacy officer, who's been on our show lots of times. And so you've got this dual role of security and privacy, and you really need them both. You know, you think about all of those um, e-commerce applications, whether it's business-to-business or business-to-consumer, and how many times do we wonder, "Uh uh-oh, should I provide my credit card information on this given transaction? Is it a secure site? Right. Um, And I think it's one where it's affecting uh, all applications to some degree, and each organization is going to need to look at all of their applications, their data environments, and determine 
which ones need what levels of protection? And right. not all companies and organizations are going to come to the same conclusion. And they're going to have to classify all of their information. Is this sensitive or is this not sensitive? And do we need it? If we don't need it, why are we collecting it? Well, so that's when you sit down with the privacy officer and say, hey, you know, yeah, I, the, the, chief priv- the chief security officer says, I can collect it, I can protect it, I can transfer it. But the privacy officer says, why do you need to do that? Why do you even need that? You know, so it's it's a very interesting area. It's a whole new paradigm that we're in. Well, and that's why um, to we need to all go to this data protection conference. <laughs> and and you know, at a conference like this, it's not just the technology; it, um, it's also what you learn, uh, both from the tutorials and sessions. But maybe even more significant is the network of people and relationships oh, yeah. that you build up of people who are experiencing the same situation and had a solution to that. And um, you'll find that so much of the success of events like this is that network of relationships and people that you meet within. Right. The and if you do have a problem, you know who to call. Yes. Yeah. Or you want to try and change the system and you say, gee, you know, I met this guy who was really nice and maybe he can help me. So you're right. It, it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it last year. That was my first data protection summit that I, or anything like that that I've really gone to other than privacy conferences but it's different and it, it's I think it's terrific and I'm excited to go again we're and glad to have you there yeah okay so let's go back and talk a little bit more about that go kind of ba- I'm trying to go back and forth between you guys because you're so interesting so tell us about some of the keynote speakers because I'm actually going to interview a couple of them on the um Tom. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Lloyd's uh, looking at me to say it's Tom. Yeah, Tom, tell me about those keynote speakers. I'm going to interview two of them, and we're going to actually make a show out of it. Well, we've got a couple of uh, good keynotes with some interesting uh, talks, which actually are kind of a good bookend on each other. One is, uh, uh, they're both on Wednesday. One is in the morning at 8.30, and it's by it's Amit Yoren from NetWitness, who is going to talk about why data protection programs fail. The other one on Wednesday afternoon at 2 o'clock is Rick D'Angona from Experian talking about keeping customer data safe and sound, exactly what we were just talking about. Yeah, and I'm interviewing both of them for about a half hour, and I'm going to make a show out of it. But, yeah, tell a little bit about um, Amin's background. It's fascinating with the Homeland Security. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Do you have the data? Do you have the information on that there? I <laughs> I don't, but I just read about it when I when I set up the interview. He is uh, he came from he was the director really of IT for for uh, Homeland Security. So the guy really knows what he's talking about when he's talking about data protection. And then the other gentleman, um, who did you say is in the FBI? Uh, Experian. Air, he's, uh, yeah, Rick Experian. Dan yeah, he yeah. is the IT person for Experian, and, if, and yep. everybody knows that Experian is one of the three major credit bureaus, and they have data on every single person in this country and in in Canada and other places across the world. So really he is point. really in, tr- in charge of a lot. So these people have to know what data protection is because they are constantly on the line for protecting. So, it, yeah, Absolutely. I'm excited to talk to them myself. I mean, I read their bios and went, oh, this is great. So... Uh, they need to come and hear them in person, and then they can hear the interviews that Lloyd and I do with them right at the conference. So that would yep. be good. So let's get back now to Jay. Jay, um, what are some special initiatives for end users? Jay, tell me, where do customers start in developing a plan for data protection? And, you know, is there a magic pill? I want a magic pill. <laughs> Give me a magic pill. <laughs> well, I wish there was a magic pill, but um, it, it also isn't something that so, has to be so overwhelming and complex. In fact, on the, the magic pill side, I think that sometimes people are overwhelmed in thinking it's like this huge, big marshmallow, and where do I start? And, and how do I actually accomplish something towards um, developing my strategy to protect my data? So I think for most companies, it's taking those baby steps. It's, it's, it's seeing where you can have the greatest success, both short-term and, and build upon that. And it's, it's one where I think uh, every customer, if they start with just looking at selecting the right partners, um, the right uh, people around them, and it's a good start before they even have to look at technology specific. But, it, you know, so much a company can do on their own is just an initial assessment of their environment. Um, taking a look as 
as kind of a baseline of where am I at right now? What are the most critical things that I need to protect? Uh, what are, are the things that would make a real impact on our organization if we had higher levels of protecting that, that information? You know, it, I think everyone in the audience that's listening can probably relate to the time that on their own personal computer it crashed. Right. And, uh, you know, it was just... Disaster time. Right. And um, I think what we learn from that is, is the importance of data protection. It isn't until we're personally... Right that all of a sudden it, it strikes home and we then maybe go the other extreme of, well, now I need to have more than 10, one copy of backups. everything. Right, yeah. Right, yeah. And, 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 and go completely the other way. Yeah. And off-site backups, you got to have your off-site backups in case there's a fire at your place and all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, what's scary, though, is a lot of times we see for litigation, for example, people don't do anything until they've gotten the knock on the door by the Federal Trade Commission or something like that. Like if you look at Choice Point, what they were doing in, in some of the poor standards they had for, uh, you know, um, licensing people to get sensitive information. Now they are like really the best. Why? Because they got hit with a $15 million fine. So what I say to people is don't wait till you get hit with a fine or a lawsuit. You know, stay current now. And I think, you know, thinking proactively is going to be so much smarter. It's going to make your life easier. And who, who wants the aggravation? It's like, you know, okay, well, I don't need a backup, and then I have a crash, and I can't find anything. So it's exactly what you're saying, Jay. So even take it to a <coughs> consumer level. The consumer might say, well, I don't really care if I lose my music because I have that on another media, and I can always restore it back to my, my you know, my iPod. Yeah, tell or, that to my daughter who lost hers on her Apple. Do, do you know, she wants to tear her hair out, so we oh, had to yeah. get but, it back, yeah. But let's say it was your uh, annual tax return that you have out there, or certain financial data that um, is your only copy of that. Well, mm -hmm. that's something probably at a consumer level you'd say, that's really important, and I want to have that protected and maybe give a copy to to someone else in my family sh should something happen within my own facility. And this is just kind of common sense of things that we would do. Well, for a business, it's the same way. Yeah. It's using that common sense of classifying their data, really determining for each type of data, what should I do? Should I encrypt this? Should I replicate it somewhere else? What, what are the techniques I should be using, um, not only for the long-term protection, but there might be certain criticality of I need this to be available real time, all the time, mm -hmm. no matter what, so that even if there's a hit of some kind, transparent to the users on the system, there's an alternate copy that automatically takes over. So that's where it becomes really a planning process initially for the customer to put their arms around their own data environment and, and one where they could really feel comfortable and secure for the future. You know, I'll tell you another thing that I think is going to be very important at this data protection conference, and that is when we talk about getting hacked. People mm. are scared of that. Now, they might not think like what you're talking about, Jay, about, gee, if I, get, if I have a crash, oh, I've got this backup system. They, you know, that isn't as scary for them as thinking about, oh, my God, if I get hacked. We had a woman on our show just a few weeks ago who had done business with someone who t stole everything, her entire business, hacked into her entire business. And wow. so I think that kind of stuff where, and, and not only did she steal business from her and start her own business, but she actually committed identity theft, business identity theft. So mm. when you're talking about data protection, it you also have to think about not only the dirty insider that we're going to talk about in my panel, and but you also need to talk about the outsiders, the ones who use social engineering, which also we're going to talk about in my panel, but also who are the bad guys that can come in and if you're not protected can get that from you right tom yep that's right so tom let me ask you about some of the exhibitors do we have sure. anybody there who's going to have some stuff that'll protect from from hackers well we've got uh, a lot of exhibitors that uh, will help people in various ways to protect their data uh, sponsors and exhibitors uh, include uh, acuvant barracuda networks Wow, look at that name, Barracuda. That's scary. That's scary. 
<laughs> it is scary, isn't it? That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a pretty ugly-looking fish. Yeah, yeah, my husband caught one recently. <laughs> it, was, okay. it was real scary with those teeth. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Hitachi Data Systems, LSI, Veronis, Ziotech, Core, Creedon Technologies, Data Castle, Equal Logic, which is now part of Dell, uh, Key Multi-Factor Authentication, Ironport, part of Cisco, uh, Raytheon Oakley Systems, Data Play, Iron Mountain, and Guardian Edge. Those are some of the companies that are uh, sponsoring and exhibiting at the Data Protection Summit. And I'm sure there's people that have a lot of different types of solutions for, uh, you know, for data protection, uh, for all kinds of different data protection needs. I know last year we talked to people who, who told us about alarms that would go off if somebody, a dirty insider or an outsider, were trying to get in. Yep. So, you know, that's important. And then, of course, we're going to be talking about social engineering that people forget about. You could have the, the most honest people in the whole world in your little small business or large business, but they're so honest and they believe and so trusting that the social engineer can charm them into finding out all the, all the family jewels, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But, but, Tom, let me, let me ask you. You got this security star competition on Thursday, March uh, 13th. Yes. Um, and and so what is that? Okay, well, this is the first time we've done this, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it will be doing initial judging, and then there's a final round held on Thursday, March 13th, from 10 to 11 o'clock, uh, again at the Hilton Irvine Orange County Airport Hotel. And the uh, entrants will describe in one page and make a, presenta- and make a presentation there, a 10-minute presentation on what, three items. The first is what you predict will be the top security challenge of 2008. The second is how you think installations can meet that challenge. The third one is why you are especially qualified to be the security star. So the judge is going to select uh, a few entries for the final round, and they will give a 10-minute presentation at the summit, and the audience, that's the people that are out there listening, they get to pick the winners. Oh, the, top prize is a, yeah, the top prize is $1,000. All right. So, and Jay, be... yeah, I'm sorry. So, Jay, why that's don't you okay. tell people about the Best of Show Awards? Well, that that's an interesting area. Is that area. like a dog that gets to be best in show? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, bring, I'll bring my golden retriever. <laughs> well, I don't think we want to call a company's products dogs. So I, I don't think it's going to quite work that way. But this is really exciting because um, the Data Protection Summit um, Awards represent a great opportunity for industry recognition for a particular company's products, um, and the very solutions that they're bringing to the market. Um, it's not quite like the Academy Awards that was on TV this past week, uh, but these um, uh, industry-recognized award winners um, have an opportunity to, to really uh, effectively build a brand and image for their company. And as uh, we had mentioned before, many of these companies are not household names but are going to be the next future innovator and, and big company to make a real difference um, in, in the industry. So uh, there's three categories of awards, uh, one for applications, one for technology, and one that is um, for an end-user uh, specific implementation of how they're using this technology. So um, there'll be something in there for everyone, and I think it will be really exciting for the audience to come and see it. And we might see those those new innovators right there, and then someday they'll be the next Yahoo, and we'll say we were there when it happened. By the way, you should probably tell them uh, when the deadline is for that. The uh, the awards are available for anyone who wants to come to the website, and okay. they can find that out. Okay, very good. And, uh, Tom, what kind of other fun things are going on? Are we going to have a raffle like we did last year? I can bring some raffle presents like I did last year. There you go. We are indeed. Uh, in the exhibit area on the final day of the conference, there will be a raffle of valuable products from the conference sponsors and exhibitors like you, uh, as well as the conference organizers. And so, sure, you, you want to bring some of your books or something like that? That'd yeah, be great. yeah, I can bring a shredder. People <laughs> there need you go. to know that. Yeah, some yeah. fun stuff. Yeah, that was really fun too, and the and the food was good there too. Yes, yes. So when we get back to talking about what companies should be doing. Tell me, what, how long should companies be keeping their data? What do you think about that, Jay? Well, that's a really interesting question. To some companies, uh, it might be a very long time, like um, in, in medical with HIPAA regulations, uh, might be the life of a patient or even many years after they're not around anymore that, that you need to keep that. 
And then in other situations, um, like uh, SEC regulations in areas of finance, there's a very strict deletion policy, and you have to quickly not keep it uh, after a certain amount of time. So it's really important for companies and organizations to know what um, their own environment is going to be based on their industry uh, so that they could come up with the right policies. You know, it's sometimes, you know, being in the law profession, it's scary when people keep everything because that could come back to bite them in the butt. So what I tell my clients is, only keep things as long as you absolutely have to have it and otherwise get rid of it. And it's hard for some people because it's so easy now with these huge storage bases to keep everything. It's it's like how our garage looks because my husband likes to keep everything that he can't throw anything away. What do you say to something like that, Tom? I'd say I have a garage like that, too. <laughs> <laughs> But what about data? Now we can put every all this huge amount of data in such a little tiny computer. What do we well, do about that? Well, in some cases, you actually do need to keep the data for a long time. You know, like in healthcare, you're supposed to keep uh, the data for the life of a person plus seven years. But as you point out, in other areas, there's no you know no legal requirement that you have to keep the data. And in, in many cases, having data, keeping data longer than you need to keep it unless you, you actively use it um, can cause you problems. You know, any data that you keep in your system, um, if you get sued or anything like that happens, it's discoverable. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think, the, uh, from what I understand, you know, the basic idea is to create a policy that meets uh, both the legal requirements but also sets your, you know, um, your own idea of, Things that you have discretion on how long you keep that you create a policy that you could then uh, you could then enforce, and part of that is going to be using technologies such as the various uh, speakers and uh, exhibitors and sponsors will be showing at the data protection summit. You know, I was just reading an article just the other day in my daily journal that was by an attorney about privacy and, and identity th- not identity theft, but by privacy and keeping data and what your policy should be with regard to employees because you can't watch an employee all the time, and if you give your employees access to the Internet because they need it for their job, what, co- what can you do to protect them from going to sites that they shouldn't be going to, like you know, child porn sites or, or pornography sites or even other sites that, that might be inappropriate or you know, just surfing on sites instead of doing their work? Is there going to be anything there to help employers to be able to keep their employees from doing things that they shouldn't be doing, you know, some kind of limitation type software, or what is it? Do you know? Yes, uh, yes I think there will be companies there will have uh, products that can be used for, you know, for monitoring and particular to set policies on, you know, use of, use of corporate resources, which includes, uh, you know, uh, things you can go at, you can go at in the net, you know, go at and access in the net. Um, and, you know, so there will indeed be, be stuff that can deal with those kind of issues. Because I, I was reading this article, and they were saying how much litigation people can really get into because people put things on the computer, that, and then if, the, if somehow in litigation your computer is brought into the litigation and you didn't know it was on your computer or you say it wasn't on your computer, you're suddenly, as the employer, defending yourself for this child porn that's on there that you didn't know that was on there. So, again, those people who are driving by who think, oh, well, you know, I'm not, a big, I'm not a big company. I don't need to know this kind of stuff. You are absolutely the person, even if you're a one-person show, you are the accountant or you are the lawyer or you are just the salesperson who sells stuff on the Internet. You are in real trouble if you don't know this kind of stuff. What do you think about that, Jay? Well, it's true. Uh, you know, it's, it, and these are the kind of things you don't even think about until right. you have that crisis that occurs. And uh, one of the things we're trying to, to do at a summit event like this is, is educate people so that they're aware of what their risks are, they can mitigate those risks, and sleep at night really comfortable knowing I'm protected. You know what I think will happen is they won't sleep at night and then they're going to, until they start talking to these people to help them afterwards, because when they start to find out what's really get, could happen to them, it, get, it gets scary. So, Jay, I see you're part of a company involved in network storage technology. Um, 
tell us is is this an this is an important part of the the data protection summit, isn't it? Well, you know, it's really interesting, Mari. Um, all the touch points that data uh, has uh, in that whole spectrum of um, of an information supply chain. Um, I think you can almost look at storage as the center of the universe today, where information lives on on those storage devices. And um, as we look at the field of network storage, it, it becomes a delivery mechanism towards how that data gets accessed, how it's protected. And if we go back in history over the last four decades, uh, it, it, there was a very traditional way of taking every computer and backing it up to tape. Mm-hmm. And those days are now gone. Oh, yeah. They're scary, too, because we hear about all those tapes getting lost. Right. So now we're looking at new innovative ways to uh, share information to be network-based storage and use the Ethernet and our IP networks as, as a way to um, to really build upon an information strategy with um uh, technology called iSCSI, which is something that uh, uh, a lot of people are really starting to uh, take advantage of as a, a technology that allows for this shared environment and one where companies of any size can have a cost-effective strategy towards data protection. Yeah, is there going to be an exhibit of, of your company there too? So, no, huh? So we're going to have to find you to explain all this. You are going to be a popular <laughs> gentleman after people hear this. Well, we're a company that's based right here in Irvine Spectrum, so it'll be real easy for your visitors to okay. look us up and come and see us. That's very good. So now you're going to get lots of calls. Help! Help! How do we do this, right, Jay? And Tom, why don't you tell what you do? Just you know, a little bit more about what how you help companies. Sure. Well, I uh, um, I do uh, various things, including consulting, consulting on uh, both technical uh, topics uh, related to digital storage and applications. Um, and I've also done due diligence for companies, and I've done some expert witness group work, uh, uh, various sorts of things. Uh, another thing I do is I put on some conferences. I'm helping uh, Lance Leventhal and those guys with this conference, and another one called the Flash Memory Summit. But in addition, I also put on the uh, Storage Visions Conference, which is just before the Consumer Electronics Show. And there's another sh- uh, event I'm putting on, which is going to be at the... Uh, uh, NAB show, the National Association of Broadcasters Conference. Oh, that sounds fun. Where is it? Which is called Creative Storage. It's uh, April 15th in Las Vegas. Wow. That and sounds I, good. I also broadcasters ro- like like radio broadcasters and stuff oh, like yes. that on TV? Really? Yes. Broadcasters, oh. people making movies, things like that, they are other big users of storage. Absolutely. I and mean, I know I store all my MP3s and my CDs, you know, I mean, all my... Um, you know, all, all the things that I do for my radio show. So I, 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 that's interesting stuff. Yes. And then the third thing I've been doing is um, I do some writing, and I write on topics related to digital storage and applications. Um, people can find out more about some of the stuff I do um, on my website, which is www.tomcoughlin.com. And there's one more thing. This, uh, in March, next month, um, my, uh, I'm going to have a book that's going to come out that's uh, published by Division of Elsevier on digital storage and consumer electronics. All right. Well, you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to send me that book. And <laughs> if I can understand it, you can come back on and talk about what's in it. I'd be delighted, Mari. I'll put you on the list. Okay. Well, listen, we have been talking here with Jay Kramer. Thank you, Jay, for joining us. Lloyd's telling me we are almost out of time. So Jay Kramer is the Vice President of Worldwide Marketing for iStore Networks. And that's iStore.com, and that's right in the Irvine Spectrum. In fact, he drove over here to see our studio and was very impressed (laughs) when he couldn't get in. Okay, and then we have Tom Coughlin, who is an engineer and technology expert. And one of the great things about Tom is he is a technology person, but he can make things understood. And, of course, Jay, you could understand because he's a marketing guy. You can understand anything he says. But the great thing is that we can understand Tom, and you can go to Tom Coughlin. That's T-O-M-C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N. Dot com. We want you to come to the wonderful Data Protection Summit. Why don't you tell again where it is in the website? That's it's just at, next week. Yes, it's at uh, www.dataprotectionsummit.com. And there you can f- you can actually register. You can find out who is speaking when. You can come and 
see us and maybe even get on the radio because Lloyd and I are going to be running around with our field recorders. So we thank you so much. And, uh, Jay, we're going to have fun with you and we're going to send everybody to talk to you because we don't have your company sending everybody. So thank you, Tom, and thank you, Jay. Thank you, Lloyd, for being a great engineer. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Please visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy to see our upcoming guests, listen to podcasts, download podcasts, and join us next week, Wednesday, 5 to 6 p.m. Bye. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.